0: I always tell students especially early on you know that like you've got a lot of bad prints inside of you and so so get them out of the way when you're 20 and you won't make as money as many when you're 50 <laughs>
1: Hi friends, and welcome to the 65th episode of Pine Copper Lime, the Internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listing app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram, and facebook and you can sign up for our monthly newsletter with print news from around the world all at pinecopperlime.com we are 65 episodes into this and almost two years on the airwaves and we could not have done it without our incredible patreon supporters so thank you all so very very much you know who you are Also, speaking of our two-year anniversary, make sure you're following this little podcast on Instagram. That's at pine.copper.lime, because we're going to be doing one heck of a giveaway in the coming weeks to celebrate. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by our sponsor, Speedball Art Products we have been bringing you a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. Their newest, exciting initiative is Speedball's Print Posse. Working with contemporary printmaking icons, Speedball has invited each artist to design and name an ink of their choosing. Artists like Sean Star Wars, whose vibrant Guided by Green is a playful spark. About designing the ink, Sean said, I chose the name Guided by Green as a nod to my all-time favorite band, Guided by Voices. I've made hundreds and hundreds of woodcuts. Every single one was made with Guided by Voices blaring loudly in the background. The color green was inspired by my lifelong passion for Mountain Dew, which gives me the energy to carve all those woodcuts. To learn more about Speedball's print posse, or to find out where you can pick up a can of your new favorite ink, go to speedballart.com. And speaking of Sean Star Wars, he actually happens to be my guest this week. Sean is a well-known and well-loved member of the printmaking community, whose eclectic and prolific printmaking practice has captured the attention of collaborators and admirers for almost 30 years. Sean earned his MFA in printmaking from Louisiana State University, and while he is now a full-time printmaker... He's also been an adjunct professor, a janitor, and a used car salesman. Sean joined me from his studio in Laurel, Mississippi, where he lives with his wife and five young kids. We'll talk about finding your love for printmaking when you're not initially maybe that good of a printmaker, the great tradition of trades in the printmaking community, and how sometimes there's a story to the print, but there's always a story behind the print. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to be guided by green with Sean Star Wars. Hi, Sean. How's it going?
0: Miranda, it's doing great. It's just been a super day. A lot of fun. Been looking forward to doing this all day and glad that we finally got to get together and do it.
1: Yeah, thank you for uh, for for suffering through the little bit of technical difficulties there <laughs> at the beginning. I always yeah. appreciate it. It's It's still, you know... Talking across the world, even in this day and age, can have some hiccups, but I'm really glad we got to connect. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Beautiful. Well, I know your work from the internet, basically, you know, from seeing your prolific practice. And I know we have mutual friends. And mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah, really excited to know more about you and how you came to printmaking and all of that. But Before we kind of dive into the questions, I would love it if you could introduce yourself a little bit and just let people know who you are, where you are, and what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Sean Star Wars, and I pretty much only do woodcuts and linoleum, I guess, as well. Uh, I've lived in Laurel, Mississippi for the last 15 or 16 years, and uh, part of Outlaw Printmakers, and every day is printmaking. It's just, it's like that and playing with the kids. That's my life. Yeah. So, and hopefully a few stories in between.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so where did you grow up? Like, were you, are you a Mississippi kid?
0: No, no, no. I, um, we actually moved around a lot when I was a kid. My, you know, we weren't in the military. My dad just, uh, was very vocal, outspoken with his opinions. And that makes you kind of hard to work with sometimes. And so, uh, you know, work four or five years at one place and then move across the country or whatever mm-hmm. um so you know so I've been to a few places you know before I before I grew up but uh um when I guess I, I did do my entire high school in uh, in Chesapeake Virginia which is uh right down the road from uh, where Dennis McNett grew up out there in Virginia Beach and that was really kind of important to me because even though it you know it's about 20 minute ride from Virginia Beach It's a really strong skateboard culture on the East Coast. It's really one of the highlights, uh, historically, has been Mount Trashmore in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And as soon as we moved from Colorado, where we had been living, to Chesapeake, um, my cousin was the manager of a skateboard team for the surf shop. And so he took us, it was like right at this really important skateboarding contest, like really kind of a historically important thing. I didn't realize it at the time. And so like I'm meeting all these pro skateboarders and I'm like 15 or whatever. Mm. I'm meeting all these guys that were staying at Eric's house and then we go to the contest and I'm seeing what they're doing. And then as I got deeper and deeper into skateboarding over the next months and years, uh, I realized what an important thing it was that I had, that I had been to. And um, skateboarding really became my life. So when you're a skateboarder, you know, back in the mid 80s, especially you, it was just one creative thing that you did. Mm. And, you know, if you, you know, most, most guys had a guitar, I didn't have a guitar. So I wasn't in a band, you know, so you're either you're playing music, or you're writing poetry, or you're making art, and, uh, you know, writing stories or whatever. And so I got kind of involved in these other creative acts outside of skateboarding. And the one thing that I kind of connected with was drawing, even though I was horrible uh, and (laughs) stayed horrible forever. Um, But one guy in particular, well, two guys really important. One guy, Neil Blender, was the first uh, professional skateboarder pretty much to make his own skateboard graphics Mm -hmm. instead of having somebody within the company, you know, some, you know, some kind of clip art guy just making a skull or, you know, whatever it was. And, so it was really cool to see this work that wasn't professional, that wasn't mm. polished. You know, it was very accessible. You know, and you know, Neil's probably four or five years older than me, and so it's like you know, teenagers talking to each other when you're looking at these graphics. And I really responded to that a lot. Somebody else on that same skateboard team, Gordon and Smith, was Chris Miller. He was another one of these early guys to do his own graphics. And it, I read somewhere that his artwork was. Linocuts. And this was, you know, this was back in the 80s. They didn't have the internet. There was no way to look something up and find Mm -hmm. out what it was, you know, because, you know, I guess research didn't exist back then. (laughs) So anyway, so I didn't know what linoleum was. I didn't know what a linocut was, but I really was drawn to that graphic quality with the solid black and white you know instead mm-hmm. of just like that range of tones from a drawing or photograph or whatever and then the, the the work itself was really cool but it was the it was the the quality of the work it was the, it was the, like the texture just the visual quality of that work that i really connected with without knowing that i was connecting with it so after a couple years of You know, eventually being in college and dropping out of one school and getting into another school, and you know, all the things that can happen to a non diligent student. (laughs) um, I found myself on academic suspension, and so while I'm kind of spinning my wheels trying to figure out what to do, I started taking classes at a community college, started drawing, and that was horrible because I was so bad. (laughs) But I saw that if you took printmaking, you would make lino cuts. And so I instantly connected, reconnected with that word. And when we went in, like the first week of school, we're doing little lino cuts, you know. And it was so much fun. And it was so magical because it was that thing that I couldn't do. I'm so impatient and just kind of incapable about building up a value, Mm. you know. And then also like kind of developing a sketch into something that that is going to have its own life in the end. And instead, you make a 10-second horrible little drawing and then you carve on it all night. And in the end, you have a graphic. And so from the very first one, I was like, this is the best thing in the world. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I don't care what happens. It's all I'm doing. And that was like 30 years ago. And that's pretty much all I've done, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's so great. Well, and I, I feel like listening to that story. I just have to say, like, like fucking hooray for community colleges. Like, I oh no, kidding. Like, I did the kind of a similar thing where I just, you know, I like went to one school and then it wasn't for me, and so I, you know, dropped out and, you know, just like I think that like college is such. An insane thing to ask someone who's 17 or 18 years old to do. Totally. Because, like, you don't know anything and let alone what you want to do for the rest of your life, which you're sort of being asked to decide. And anyway, and then, and then of course, yeah, yeah. Then you're like without adult supervision for the first time in your life for a lot of people. And so like <laughs> that's distracting in and of itself. Um, but yeah, it was the same no thing where I, yeah, I tried one school and then I dropped out and I went to community college and just like being able to experiment and ta- take different yeah. classes where you're not paying $800, $900 a class to do it right. <laughs> um, was yeah. incredible. It was totally incredible. So like shout the heck out to community colleges. No <laughs> kidding.
0: I mean, it was just the best. And actually, you know, I, I didn't know him at the time, you know, because Dennis Manette a great friend of mine. I didn't know him at the time, but he was in the same art department at the community college with me. I'd see him kicking around with some of the same people that I knew, you know, I didn't really know them that well back then, but, uh, you know, but it did, it's, it's such a tremendous resource, you know? And I, I know that like, I stayed way longer than I had to, Mm. you know, I, I did many more classes uh, before I finally was like, okay, it's time to move to the next phase, whatever that's going to be. It was just such a great environment. And the professor I had was so encouraging. And I always tell this story, but like, you know, I'm like, just curious what's the difference between a lino cut and a wood cut you know because i i tore through all my supply of of linoleum every semester you know and i was mm. like are you getting more linoleum you know but i was curious about the wood cut and he's like well it's more or less the same you know the tools might be a little bit different you know and i was like well where would i go about getting them He's like oh hang on so he, he brings me into his office and he opens up this chest and then he opens up this box and then out of this box he pulls this Bag and inside this bag is this cup of these wood carving chisels, right? Mm. And he and he looks at me and he says, "You know, these belonged to my grandfather. He was an artist. I don't really use wood cut. uh, I don't really do wood cuts. So I'm going to let you use these as long as you want." And yeah, you know, I mean, like, I mean, that was almost thirty years ago. So I mean, it really stuck with me. But just how encouraging. That whole environment was, you know, and just the, like you said, the pressure's off of you, yeah. And you can kind of figure things out, you know, and or become a plumber or something else, you know. Totally. I mean, you do whatever you want while you're there. And like, man, if I was, you know, I've got, I've got a daughter that's uh, getting ready to be a junior in high school, and so she's thinking about what she's going to do. And man, it, it's so nice to have a plan, and it's so nice to be able to have. The resources of the internet and to be able to visit places and all that. But yeah, you know, so it was just like, I could do this forever. Mm -hmm. But then I then I heard, you know, I heard the the hard way that you had to get a at least a well, no, you had to get a master's degree. Mm -hmm. Because right when I graduated, right, because I had this woman that I really wasn't very fond of that taught design, Mm -hmm. right? She was she was really bad uh, to probably she really was, but in my eyes, she definitely was. And, um, you know, it was like, I mean, I'm probably older than she was then, but to me, she was so old and her week was so, her work was so feeble. And I was like, I know I could do this, you know? So I walked like, you know, they, they made us go to the graduation, you know? So like I, I'm graduating from the community college and I'm talking to all my professors that are there. And I'm like, so when do you think I could start teaching uh, the design classes? <laughs> and they just kind of laughed at me, you know, and like, oh, no, you've got to have a, a master's degree to do that. And I was like, well, what about Pat? And they're like, well, you know, she was before that time. Oh, and I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, so so what do I do next? And like, well, you need to go to, you know, go get a bachelor's degree and then you go into grad school. And then you then you can teach. The rumor <laughs> has it. Then you can teach. So it didn't turn out that way, (laughs) you know, but they did trick me into going in and advancing my education, you know, I guess, to my credit, but, uh, so, you know, but it's so different. It was so different Then you just didn't have any idea what to do, where to go, you know, what your options were. And then I was such a. I mean, printmaking has changed me so much over the years, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like I probably could just like walk into a football stadium and give a, a lecture now and not really be nervous. But before, you know, it was like to talk to two or three adults, you know, uh, or it was just a different thing. And so like, I wasn't really good about asking questions about what, what my options were and like, what should I do? Where should I maybe consider going or those kind of things? And I had such a great professor in a, you know, in my bachelor's degree too, but I just really didn't take enough advantage of his wisdom, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, when I went, like, this is just how stupid I can be. When I, <laughs> when I applied for graduate school, my choices, I forget what they were, but the the pivotal choice, the one that I went with was if I go to LSU, um, I could catch some alligators while I was there. And. <laughs> And I knew that there was a – I'm a big Mountain Dew collector, and I knew that there were some bottles uh, you know, from the 60s that were English on one side of the packaging and uh, French on the other side. And so in my mind, the only place that could have come from was like Cajun-speaking Louisiana, right? <laughs> right? So that's why I decided to go to LSU. I didn't even remember that there's a whole place called Canada, you know? So <laughs> anyway, but it was an okay decision in the end.
1: Yeah, but
0: uh, I, uh, you know, it's so easy now you can just figure out, Okay, let me type in the word printmaking and here's this list of the top 50 colleges. And, you know, I would have never applied to any of the top 50 colleges. You know, I had a pretty low opinion of what I was doing anyway. And then I was kind of shocked a few years later by my friends that applied and they all applied to the best schools, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. not that they weren't better than me, but like I never would have thought, let me apply to this number one school. But then if you don't, there's no way you can get in, you know. And so it it worked out really well. And, you know, we'll probably talk about it later. But I always give a lot of advice about just get in there and try it. Just get in there and do it. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about the don't worry about the rejection. Don't worry about what might happen because it's almost never personal, Mm -hmm. you know. And yet, you know, but that's advice that I certainly didn't live by when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you got to reach out there for it and see what happens. And then some amazing things can come your way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's so so significant because I feel like it's one of those things that when you look back at when we're all just babies, like trying to decide what we want to do with our life, the perspective that you can have where it's like, oh, like, why didn't I – why didn't I apply to the top 50 schools? You know, why didn't, why didn't I try for this or that? And it's really, you know, I just applied to like one college, got in, went there, didn't like it, went to community college, applied to one college, you know, like the one that was down the street and, right. you know, had, had a perfectly fine academic experience. But, you know, looking back, knowing what I know now, It's like, well, you know, how much how much would it have cost to apply to a few more different schools and just see what what life would have been like? But
0: and it was so hard back when you had to send in real slides, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the slides were expensive. The, you know, having to make the little labels and everything's format, everything has to be a certain way for some people that the people looking at it, they don't live by those formats. But damn sure (laughs) if you don't try to make sure that you get all the type justified on the little slide sticker and what a nightmare, you know, yeah. and the little, the little uh, foil tape that you used to have to put to block out the slides, to crop, <laughs> like, like you should, you should, that, that should be an art form, you know, totally. like, what a, well, I'm yeah. the slightest, you know, yeah. but you know, the other thing I did was I, because again, I was such a bad student. I just, I was a great, not, I wasn't a great printmaker, but I had a great love for printmaking. So even when I was failing or barely getting through all my other classes in search of my degree i always was blasting out mostly linoleum but i was always blasting out print after print after print after print and so like like i was you know i was a good printmaking student but i was a horrible college student and it took me a long time to get through and when i thought i was getting ready to graduate i started applying you know the first time i applied to a lot of schools and i got rejected from every single one of them you know, mm-hmm. I might have applied to 20 schools. I don't remember, but it was 15, 20 rejected from all of them. And the next year I applied when I really was ready, but I only applied to a few. And, you know, LSU was one of them. But, you know, and it's been a lot of fun. I've been to every one of those schools that I applied <laughs> to, you know, as a visiting artist. And yeah. it's always fun. It's like, yeah, I, I couldn't get into your program, but, <laughs> you know, I get your kids excited about printmaking for a week, you know. Yeah, but, totally. But that, but that really, in the end is most of what I have to offer. I mean, like, I can really light your fire for about a week, but printmaking, there's so much more to learn than there is with relief,
1: you Mm -hmm. know, with
0: a woodcut. You know, so, like, after 30 minutes of just tool safety and, you know, reverse image reversal and don't cut your hand, now you know as much as every relief printmaker in all of mankind in the history (laughs) of printmaking. You know as much. Uh So, you know... So it's you know it's 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 not like all the other more challenging things to learn you know so you know i guess that might be why
1: <laughs> yeah well and i'm thinking about you know what you were saying about you know just just try right and mm-hmm. i'm wondering if there's a connection between that philosophy and your process you know in actually your art making process you know in the fact that you're you're so prolific And you just make and make and make. And there's kind of, you know, that sort of fiddly preciousness that people can have about art doesn't seem to be present in your practice. It just seems to be like you just create and you might print it on a T-shirt or you might print it on paper. But it's just like just create. And, yeah, I'd love if you could just speak to that.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, one thing is early on, everything I was trying to do, no matter how hard I tried to do something right, it seemed like it never connected, Hmm. you know, every step of the way, including like, you know, registering your blocks on just two block lino cut, you know, it's just like, it was always bad. But then it seemed like it didn't matter. You know, like, I kind of came to terms pretty early on with the idea that, once you learn how to do it, anybody can make a well-registered print. You know, there's like systems to do it and then you're just following a system, you know. But it seemed like when I cared, I didn't get better results than when I didn't care. When I loosened, you know, when I just took the pressure off, I was like, I'm just going for it. I'm just going to slap this down. It doesn't really matter. And then you, you know, and it was a real progression for a long time where because my drawing ability was so bad, And even in printmaking, I I, I certainly wasn't mastering it, you know, Mm. but, you know, it went from, you know, when people would finally say, oh, I like that, Hmm. you know, because after dozens and dozens and dozens of really bad effort in whatever class, painting, ceramics, uh, you know, printmaking, whatever, then you finally get that pat on the back from your fellow classmates and like, oh, Sean, I really like that. Mm -hmm. And that... I don't really understand. I mean, I think a lot about different things in my life. And as much as, as much as my dad, especially spent a lot of time with me growing up, he just wasn't very positive. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. he wasn't like, he wasn't really ever going to slap you on the back and say, damn it, son, you did a great job, you know? And so like, I learned to like, really absorb every positive comment that I got, you know? And And then it turned to, oh, I like that. Can we make a trade? You know, and Mm, that's what's so great mm -hmm. about printmaking is, of course, we can make a trade. You know, I'll be back in three minutes with another print for you. You know, and so and then, you know, you're thinking that's really cool. People want to have what you're doing, you know, and then even better. Eventually, when people want to buy something, it means so much because they're saying I'm going to do the thing that I don't like in life. So much that I get paid for doing it. That's called a job, Mm -hmm. right? Like they don't say, hey, I'm going to play video games for eight hours and then get and then get one of your prints. You know, they go, you know, they're they're working in the coal mine doing their job. They're going to do that for X number of hours so that they can have something that you made. Mm -hmm. It must really you've really connected. I mean, like the part where like you make money is is great and it becomes something that you got to wrap your head around and kind of accept but the part where it's like no I'm parting ways with these man hours that I put into this effort yeah. so that I could I could get a TV, I could buy a pair of shoes, I could buy cereal or I could buy a print and that is so touching when people decide that they want to spend money to live with what you've done because the whole time you're trying to connect with people that's why you're doing it in the first place mm-hmm. you know and it's just very touching you know it just means so much and, a, and then after a while, sometimes you're not thinking about that every single time you sell a T-shirt or something. But then you'll meet somebody that – like I, I haven't, like I didn't have great um, phone connection earlier. And I got a little notification about somebody that bought work for me back in Virginia Beach. So that was probably 25 years ago. And I don't even know what they're going to say. Maybe they want a refund. But whatever they're getting ready to say in that email when I finally check it, it's probably that they like it, and it's probably that they still have it after 20 some years. And that means a hell of a lot. You know, the idea that, like, I hear, yeah, I got your clown print in my bathroom. I walk in there first thing in the morning, I see it, and it just makes me smile. And I'm like, wow, that's so great to hear because, like, I made that woodcut, and then I made one print. And I either sold it or sent it off or did something or it's in a flat file somewhere. And I haven't thought about that particular print mm-hmm. in a long time. You know? And to hear that like they really resonate with people and they, they can put a smile on somebody's face, it's really one of the most rewarding things that you can that you can have in this whole process, you know?
1: And I think there's something so powerful about that idea of that you can create something and that it has this life beyond you, that continues to be a part of someone else's life on a daily basis and continues to affect their life in a positive way, there's not too many things humans can do in the world that have that effect.
0: Right. No, you're you're right. I mean, because like you're probably not going to remember when you dr- – I remember if I go through McDonald's, I'm expecting a pretty cruddy um, – <laughs> interaction
1: yeah you
0: know some somebody's going to be leaving in tears and it's usually me you know (laughs) but it's 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 all it's 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 all it's always unsavory it's never pleasant and then you drive through and you get that you get to smile Mm -hmm. and you get to have a nice day and it it means so much and it really can change your day but you're probably not going to remember that one interaction 12 years later right you know Mm -hmm. or hey I held the door open for you know for that person, you know, you're probably not going to remember. Yeah, that, that's a guy that held the door open for me like 17 years ago.
1: Totally. But
0: yeah, you know, totally. but then there's the print and, you know, and it's kind of nice. And it's, you know, it's a moment in time. And and so much about, so, you know, th- w- the way I think about what I do is it's just getting to make friends and just having these moments, you know, so I can see a print. And, there, and you know, sometimes there's a story to the print, but there's always a story behind the print. You know, there's always that, yeah, I remember the, you know, I went and bought that wood at that particular place and it was messed up or I had to substitute out for this or the car broke down or, you know, or, you know, some of these things with my son, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the last four years, it's like, okay, I remember when we did this and that was really special. And so like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of baggage tied into every one of those prints, you mm-hmm. know, in, in in addition to, like, when you made it, but, you know, because, like, I'll print something up six years later, so then I was like, okay, did I do that in 2004, was that 2009, or was it yesterday, <laughs> and then, like, you kind of associate everything that was going around you at that time, so it's just, a, you know, it's just a lot of fun, you know, yeah. just being around everybody in printmaking is so much fun, you know, and so, like, it's just like, okay, well, you know, I remember... For the first two years, I would see you at the conference and I just, you know, but now I know your name and now we're friends and we'll be friends for the next 30 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, and, and that's such a special part that we really have in printmaking that means a lot to me. You know, it's just, it's such a part of what I've done since I've been out of school Mm -hmm. and through all of that, you know, I mean, I've been out of grad school for 20 years, 21 years, whatever, every moment of my life is associated with what I was doing in printmaking, you know, and right. with, uh, and with those friends that I have in printmaking, you know, Yeah. and it's, it's just a package deal. It's like, and that's something that I really try to get students to embrace when I, when I make a visit, you know, cause again, there's not a lot to talk about with making a woodcut. So I'm giving them other sage advice <laughs> and I'm like, be here in the print shop make friends. These are the people that are going to be with you for the rest of your life. They're going to remember your important occasions in your life. These are going to be your close friends, many of them. And, uh, and this is where you, this is where you build your life is in this print shop, you know? And, and if you can, if you can accept that and if you can absorb the energy of being in the print shop, even when you're not making stuff, I think that you really will develop a life long relationship with printmaking, you know, and it really just is so rewarding on so many levels and it has so little to do with what you make mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the incredible things about our community is it's just and its it's international there's so much of a bond between people when they know that they also love printmaking and yeah it's just the kind of thing where you know i know that i can well not not these days but at, you know one point in our in our <laughs> world you know you could get on a plane and you could go to russia or thailand and yeah. you know if you found you could google a print shop walk in the door and say hey i'm in this business And it's like great. Well, this is where we're gonna go for drinks tonight, and this is who you have to meet. (laughs) And it just is such such an international community in this way that I always think, you know, like painters don't get that. You know, you can't like you know like meet some random person you know in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and be like, oh, you paint, I paint, and you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're right.
1: Effect.
0: You know, that's that's what I always say is like you know because something that my that first professor told me at community college was like you know as a printmaker you're going to be an inventor Mm. you know and I thought that was intimidating because like I didn't think of myself as being able to make anything up but you do pick up things that you see other people aren't doing along the way you know but the difference between painters and printmakers I always you know I kind of just stereotype but Uh, You know, you're alone in your studio as a painter Mm -hmm. and you come up with something, you figure something out that you don't think anyone else knows about. And so then you lock the door and you don't want anybody (laughs) to know because you're afraid that they're going to do it better than you. Mm -hmm. But but then in printmaking, if you stumble onto something that you don't think other people are doing, you bust your door open, you post it everywhere on social media, you go all over the world trying to show people what you're doing and hope that they do it better than you, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just that idea of like sharing, it's, it, which is, it's such a special part of what we're doing. I will say, cause I realize I totally didn't answer the, the part of your question that you asked. <laughs> so I'm going to jump in there while I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but about like, just kind of like that freedom to make things and not for them to be so special and so mm-hmm. precious, especially with woodcut. You know, it's a different thing when you're inking up a plate for 30 minutes, you mm-hmm. know, wiping it down and all that stuff. Your time is precious. And you could be doing other things. But with printmaking, you know, uh, with woodcut, you ink it up in 10 seconds. You crank it through the press. And so, you know, the pressure's off. You're going to make mistakes along the way. You know, a lot of mistakes in every step of the the game. I just, like, I don't care because what am I doing tomorrow? I'm printing. Mm. What was I doing yesterday? I was printing. What did I do for a minute today? I was printing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm still around in 25 years... I expect to be printing or having my kids cranking the press and I'm still making the woodcuts, you know? But like every day, even on the days when you're not actually making something, it's all geared towards what you're going to do next, you mm-hmm. know? And so it just takes the preciousness away, you know? It's a, it's a piece of paper, you know? And especially if it's cheap paper, even that much more generous with it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I always tell students, especially early on, you know, that like, you've got a lot of bad prints inside of you. (laughs) And so, so get them out of the way when you're 20. Uh And you won't make as money as many when you're 50, you know, but if you're doing like one every six months, well, then those bad ones are going to pop up and you'll still be cranking out a lot of bad prints here and there with the good ones when you're 75. And it's just like, there's, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a crazy thing that you can be 12 and make a great relief print mm-hmm. you know i mean you can make a you can make something super cool that just resonates with everybody or you could be 72 and stumble onto something great mm-hmm. there's really there's really no age limit to it you know it's so much fun to work with kids and to see what they come up with and but just that idea that like hey you're going to do something tomorrow or next week or whatever and so it really just takes the pressure off when i do these uh, workshops, you know, like I'll, you know, do those little three day workshops or something. It's really kind of critical. They're doing something maybe for the first time, or they're doing something very rarely in between what they do for their job, you know? And so they want it to be good, Mm. you know? Uh, but in the end, everybody's always happy. I've, I've never done one of these where someone just made something so bad that they aren't smiling ear to ear. And the, and the thing I say is like, this was Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning. And now you're holding something that didn't exist when you got off work at five on Friday, Yeah. you know, and you have for the rest of your life. And think about that next weekend when you're sitting back, especially during football season, watching football all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night, high school Friday, if you got to do that too. And it's like, you can have these things that you love so much, but they don't give you anything tangible in the end. Yeah. You know? Like, you can watch four hours of TV, and you might know something, or you might know less, but mm-hmm. you don't You don't have anything in your hand when you're done, and I just, it's like I was saying before about that story with, behind each print. It's like, I'm holding this piece of paper, and I remember, okay, this was in Houston eight years ago. We went and had a great lunch here, and then... The pizza wasn't good that night, which is impossible if you are in Houston because we always go to Pink's (laughs) and get good pizza. But, you know, but it's like, it's all of those things, you know, it's like, okay, we made that while we were in Los Angeles. And do you remember that trip? Mm -hmm. You know, and like, I try, like, you know, with, you know, I have five kids. And I try to make everything I do, unless I'm getting on a plane flying somewhere, if we drive, I try to bring the kids. I try to make the whole experience something that they'll keep with them for the rest of their life that doesn't have a hell of a lot to do with printmaking. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, but if you make something all the better, but like, okay, we go here or we did this and we had that experience and we saw this and all of those things. And so when I see the print, it brings me back to all of that stuff. It's almost like a photograph in that way. And it's something for all the negativity on social media, all mm-hmm. the bad things that can happen. Something that I really love, which doesn't have a lot to do with printmaking either. But like when Facebook or Instagram says five years ago, you know, three years ago, and they post the picture, they show you the picture that you did five years ago, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
0: and mm-hmm. and, I, and I take I take millions of pictures with of everything in the world, but especially of the kids, you know, and it's like, wow, I just, I thought I remembered everything I was doing and I totally forgot that we went here and we did this and there's a photograph to prove that we did it and oh yeah, you remember then this thing happened and that thing happened and it's kind of a nice little freebie that Facebook and Instagram gives you just yeah. to remind you of what you've done, I guess, when your memory starts to fade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, yeah, and you know, just talking about like that sort of how the prints connect you to things in your past. And I know that for a lot of people, what they, if they have, what they'll stumble is, you know, they they get into the I don't know what to make. You know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, they'd be like, yeah, Sean, I hear you, I hear you. I should be making, (laughs) but, you know, but I, I don't know what to make. And it just, it seems like, from you know anyone who's seen your instagram feed that you know that's not really a problem for you and yeah this is a little a little tangential but like just considering like i think you know you seem to draw your inspiration from such a good variety of places that just yesterday i was doing some research before our interview and my husband came in and he said he said, what are you up to? I was like, oh, I'm on a Wikipedia page about Travis the Chimp who ripped off his owner's <laughs> face. Like, do you want to hear about it? And he was like, he's like, I can't think of anything less I would like to hear about. Oh, you know? wow. <laughs> and I was like, "I was oh, like, oh but I'm having a great time, you know? So, uh, yeah.
0: Because,
1: yeah. So I think, yeah, if you could maybe speak to just where you get your thoughts from and then also any tips for people who can get over that. I don't, you know, I don't know what to make. I I know I should be making. I know that's the only way to get better, but I'm frozen with, with the not knowingness.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, when I, when I was making stuff up out of my head, when I was in undergrad, you know, when I was making things that, that were more my own, Mm. they even, even then I was really trying to like fall into a certain vibe. You know, like I was looking at the expressionist a lot. And so like I was Mm -hmm. making this really kind of aggressive thing, you know, and like all these unhappy faces, you know, and I looked at it after a while and I was like, you know, I am walking around smiling most of the time. Like, why am I making these things that don't have anything to do with me, even though I love the energy? Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't I do more of the things that I love? And I so I started to try to just make things that I wanted to see, even, you know, I mean, at some point, I totally ran out of ideas, you know, so I'm looking at other places. But like, you know, even I don't make that much Star Wars stuff. But there's some things that are really cool in Star Wars that have meant a lot to me over the years. And, you know, back when it was harder to find Star Wars products to buy, Mm -hmm. you know, in between, you know, in between Return of the Jedi, and, you know, the turn of the century, when all these new movies came out, it was hard to spend, to th- there wasn't a lot of Star Wars that you could buy, and so like I'll just draw R two D two because I want to see R two D two, or I'll yeah. just draw a Mountain Dew, like the Mountain Dew stuff still is more obscure, you know. But it's like okay, here's some advertising, the, you know. The real sign would be twenty five hundred dollars, but I can draw it for free. Uh-huh. Let me make this woodcut of this thing that I like, and then I can see it when I look at my when I look on my wall, I'll see this thing that I really like. So. Even with that, after a point, I've drawn as much Star Wars stuff. I've drawn as many Mountain Dew signs and bottles. I've drawn as many whatever it is. And so I'm just looking – I'm just always looking for other things that I like, you Mm -hmm. know, for other things that I'm interested in. And then I kind of respond to them in one way or the other. And, you know, a long time ago, you know, that was uh, about 20 years ago, we went up to New York uh, my, you know, when we lived in Virginia, uh, it was like seven hours away and we didn't go often enough, but we would go to New York, but we wouldn't go to the museums because the pizza is better. I want pizza, you know, and so and my friends are there and I want to see my friends and eat pizza and buy shoes, Yeah, you know, and so we come back and we have some really good friends that they would go to New York all the time, too. And but they would spend their whole time at the art museums, which is great. But they're also they cost a lot of money, you know. They do, and so you know, and it's like, man, like I could do so much with so little money and have a great time and come back and and have it in my heart forever. And so anyway, but they they went to New York and they came back with some art catalogs from some exhibitions that they went to, and they're like, we really think that you would like this one artist, Sean. And it was some lady that. Did a lot of uh, flipping through old magazines, and then whatever her art was, I don't remember that at all. But I was like, okay, that's what you call research. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing research my whole life, and now I sound official. Now I sound <laughs> academic. Now I'm not <laughs> yeah, flipping yeah. through old Playboys. I'm actually doing research. Yep. You know, and so, but through doing just the casual reading, I did something so dumb one time, back when I when my wife and I only had the one car. She was at work, and I went down to some thrift store, and they had all of these magazines from the 40s and 50s, Good Housekeeping, Woman's Day, some Colliers, I don't remember what else, but some great magazines. They're like five cents a piece, which was a bargain anytime, time, even in the 90s. Right. And um, and so I bought as many magazines as I could carry in my arms. I mean, like from my belt up to my eyes, I'm carrying these magazines as far as I can, putting them down, stopping catching my breath, picking them all back up, walking the two miles back to my studio. And as soon as I got in there, I'm flipping through these magazines and I'm just reading like something that ended up making so much impact on the work that I was doing was this little story by Pearl Buck about when she met the Dalai Lama. And this was like 1957, 56, 58, whenever it was. The Dalai Lama back when he was like a nine-year-old boy, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And she's interviewing him and I had, I, I had no idea that that was how the Dalai Lama was chosen. Like, you know, they consulted the oracle or right. they looked at the teeth, whatever they did. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But the idea that they, like, he was selected from this mystical process. And I applied that to this set of slides that I found at a thrift store about a month later. And it, like, it was like the next five years worth of my work came from just reading that one magazine and just that idea of how somebody is chosen to be this other thing you know Uh, uh and so you know when it comes to generating ideas there's so many places out there and there's so many different things that you can look at and there's so much that you can do and of course you know there's a lot going on in the world that you can respond to so you know i'm looking at compositions or i'm just straight up stealing ideas you know from 1961 or from Mm -hmm. 2003 or whatever it is you know But then at some point, I don't even care about that because, like, I I really should just carve blocks every day for other people even. I don't care. (laughs) I just, like, the carving is my favorite thing to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so so there's there's times I get on the, you know, I'll get on Instagram and I'm like, all right, I'm in the studio all day. I don't have an idea. Somebody shoot something to me, you know? And then people are, you know, they're sending me all these great ideas, you know? And John Hancock sent me a great idea when I did that one time, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time, but he was like, do a, do a devil sitting on a toilet. Right. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. You know? Yeah. And so like, you know, 30 seconds later on the internet, you're seeing all these images of like these velvet paintings mm. of the devil just sitting on a toilet, Amazing. you know? And it's like this whole thing, you know, that I had no idea even existed. So of course I did mine and, you know, was happy with it and everything, but it's just, the idea for me aren't that important and something else that I that really had a great impact one time I was watching I haven't really talked about Tom Huck and Bill Fick and how much they meant to me when I was navigating college and all that stuff but later you know I'm watching this video of Bill Fick and he does his you know he does his skull drawing starts out with the pen and ink and then he's he's cut it away and then he inks it up and he cranks it through the press and then he pins it in the wall and the whole video is like, what, five minutes, seven minutes or whatever. And it was just one more of those great skulls Mm -hmm. that Bill does, you know? And I was like, man, Bill does a lot of those skulls. It was so just liberating, you know? I was like, I don't even have to I don't even have to think of something else from another magazine or from a TV show. I'm just going to do something because at the end of the day, I've done something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to make a print right now. And then tomorrow, hopefully I'll have some better, newer energy or whatever. But it was just like, man, it meant so much to see that video, you know, and it really just freed me. It's like none of this matters because like what's going to matter is I'm going to make something. And if I don't make something I like today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe on Wednesday, but sometime this week I'll make something that I like, you know, but I got to keep printing. Cause what if I don't, you know, yeah. it's like, there's nothing else. There's, I mean, I try to make a lot of time to spend with my kids, to spend with my wife. We do a lot of stuff together, but from day to day, if I'm not doing this, you know, like, cause I'm already not 20 or 30 or 40. Anymore. Right. Yeah. So it was like you're just like you're marching towards getting older and you're just marching towards like as much as you can do whatever that is. There's a finite amount. I did something one time at a University of Oklahoma where we did 24 prints in 24 hours like this 24 hour marathon every hour I had to make another print, Uh you know, and there's a finite number of strokes of carves that you can make into a block in an hour. There's a, there's whatever that is. I found whatever that was, yeah. if it's, you know, 273 or if it's 16 or whatever it is at some point that hour is gone and it's never coming back, you know? And so at the end, there's a, there's, there's only so much you can do in a day, you know? And like, as a, as a parent, we, you know, the kids are homeschooled, especially right now, you know, with all the, pandemic stuff we've spent Mm -hmm. even more time together and we always spend a lot of time together you know but it's like 24 hours a day every day and it still doesn't seem like enough Mm. you know i mean like to think that like my my daughter sophie she's got 11th grade and 12th grade and then she's then she's gone yeah you know and it's like wow that's 700 days so like we better have a good breakfast today, you know, right. or we better like get along today, you know, or whatever. And it's just like your life is just going past you and you're grabbing at every important thing that you can, but it still is going to move past you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so making prints, it's like, man, I better do something because this year, I mean, like this year especially has just gone by in so many weird ways, right? you know, for it to already be near the end of July. And it really feels like we're just getting ready for spring in my head, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, but like, no, we're almost, we're, you know, this year's coming to an end already, you know? And so like, I got a lot more stuff I want to do this year. You know, I have a lot of, so it's like, I better get in there and do them. And if you make a mistake along the way, if there's no pressure because you're coming back, mm-hmm. you know? And the other thing I tell people, and it's probably not always true, but it's mostly true for most people. Nobody's looking as hard as you think they are right. at what you're doing. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, because you, you know, when when you're dealing with students, you know, you hear things like, "I wanted to make this, I wanted to make the viewer struggle." You know, I wanted them to spend all this time with it. I'm like, "Look, man, you, you know, you go to see the Mona Lisa, and you get one second, and then people behind you are pushing you out of the way." Yeah, you know, like, you no know, people. You in in your luckiest dream, someone is looking at your work for three seconds.
1: Right.
0: You know, and so it's like, it's not that it's not that critical. And then especially the way that so many of us engage work now, just on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so tiny, you know, and it's such a weird dynamic because, I mean, even yes, I think it was yesterday. I think we're on Monday today, right? So yesterday I was carving this design for a skateboard graphic and it took me all day and then you post it and the next day you're posting something else yeah and so like you know maybe somebody will go through there and look at it or maybe they won't ever again you know and maybe they'll see it at an exhibition and you're supposed to make you know you're supposed to have an exhibition where you're only showing new work you know so it's like it's really only from like the last 18 months or whatever which I can't do it that way but you know but like you spend so much of your life doing this, and people only engage it for a second. Even the people that, even the people that like it, mm-hmm. they don't spend that much time with it. Um, you know, uh, again, you know, if they buy it and they put it up in their house and it means something to them, but it's it's such a temporary thing outside of outside of your studio. You know, as soon as you put yeah. it out there in the world, it's like one of those little floating lanterns. You know you can just like see fade across the sky and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not supposed to do those anymore, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like okay, I barely see it and now it's gone. Yeah. Um and that's kind of so that takes the pressure off too. You know, it's like just make the stuff you're making it for you, you know, you're making it to motivate yourself, to excite yourself, and then you're hoping to share it with other people and you're hoping to make that that real connection with it where somebody you know i mean like when i go to sgc or something you know and i'll bring like a stack of 200 prints i always tell people you know flip till you get to the bottom if you don't see anything you like you can have it you know <laughs> because you're basically you like you're just playing the odds you're going to find something that you like a little bit you know yeah. but like then you have that horrible work and like you just have this mental tab that no one has ever bought that print or no one's ever even said they like it and then eventually somebody they hit that print, and that's the one that they connect with. And so that also takes the pressure off. You know, I mean, there's you're going to be doing this and hopefully loving every minute of it you, know? it. you know, you might be sweating. You might be getting dirty. You might ruin clean clothes. But in the end, this is what you're doing for fun, for enrichment. And so, like, who's going to tell you that you did something wrong? No very people aren't as cynical that are looking at art as you might be afraid that they are. I mean, I don't ever find, I don't find that, you know, Mm -hmm. like I know, like I just know, again, when my father and I would go to an art museum and walk around and look at things, you know, there'd be all the stuff that he really liked, but then there's the stuff that he's like, Oh yeah. You know, you could have done that when you were in fourth grade or, you know, a kid could do that. You know, you hear that kind of blanket response to things. And but like people aren't as cynical as my father was, you know, most people, if they're looking at art, that's a treat from that thing that they do from that job that they have. It's a break, you know, they're at an art opening or they're at a museum or they're wherever and they get a moment to be free mm-hmm. and to look at art and to think about things that maybe be from a different time or a different perspective. And people aren't looking to put what you're doing down. They're not Mm -hmm. looking to find fault. That's what I always tell students is like, of course, there's a lot of mistakes in that work, but you're the only person that knows. Yeah. You know, I don't know how you thought a dog was supposed to look when you drew it. You might have drawn it exactly the way that you wanted to, or you might have thought that you did mix up orange and green. And so, whatever colors, like, I don't know that you intended to do blue and purple. Mm -hmm. What I see is what you've given us. And almost everybody assumes that the artist did what they want to do. And so like you have all the credibility as the maker. And so that's very empowering for a, a young person, especially, to understand that like nobody can really tell you that it that you didn't do it right, that you didn't do it the way that you wanted. I mean of course there's critiques.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say and not everything <laughs> in art has to be intentional in order for it to be successful, I think is another thing that is good for young artists to hear is that, oh, maybe, you know, maybe you did mix up two of your layers, but the end result could be better or more interesting or more fun than you ever even planned. So yeah, the process of creation should be rewarding in and of itself. And then the outcome doesn't have so much pressure on it. (laughs) yeah
0: right right exactly you know it's just like okay here's this thing and then the other takeaway for me from watching that video that bill did was like i'm i'm gonna do my thing again you know because like we're always like i was always hit over the head with like generating new content you know with like you want to have that's what creativity is in a lot of ways is making something new obviously but like man i found this turtle in this comic book and this coloring book, you know, from 1941 and he's wearing a top hat and he's holding a little <laughs> suitcase and I'll be damned if I'm only going to draw him one time in my life, you know, he's so cool. I'm going to do him every chance I can, Yeah. you know, and like, I just posted something on my Instagram story the other day, I have this melting ice cream cone that I've been doing for 20 years uh-huh. and I did one, I did this giant one, you know, a big painted wood carving that's like, you know, five feet high or whatever. Uh, I'm like, okay, I did that, and it came out great. I did a small one. I was trying to draw the same exact thing, and it looks so horrible that like it doesn't even look like a cheap bootleg. It just looks like uh, somebody that's uh, like, oh, uh, I won't say. <laughs> it just looks horrible. You know? yeah. And it's like, so how did I do it so poorly after I've drawn it? I've done that same design 15 times, different size woodcuts, linocuts, cuts, paintings, whatever, and yet I messed it up last year, like, how, like, how can you be so bad? And how can you be so inconsistent? And like, who cares? I'm still going to post it because it's what I'm doing. And, you know, and that kind of gets me to a different thing, like a different challenge, you know, which is, we haven't really talked about the outlaw printmakers or any of that. And that's something that I've really embraced over the years, being a part of that group and being friends with all those guys. But for me, You know, being in Mississippi for the last 15 years, I always say, you know, when Huck makes a woodcut, it's going straight to a museum. Mm. You know, when Dennis makes a woodcut, it's going straight to Vans or it's going straight into Thrasher or Juxtapose. It's going somewhere, you Mm -hmm. know. And then here I am in Laurel, Mississippi. And it's such like it's a weird place in in a lot of ways, you know, but it's great but nobody, nobody knows me. Almost nobody knows me as Sean Star Wars. They only know me as Sean Stewart, you know, mm-hmm. my birth name. So it's a it's a weird thing. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. You know, I mean, there's a lot of places that are the middle of nowhere. But, you know, when with the Internet, we're all everywhere. You know, I mean, we're, it's amazing if like I don't know what I would be doing if the Internet hadn't come along <laughs> and I can, you know, have this phone call. And do these things, it, it's it's but it's still so staggering. You're like, wow, somebody in Japan just commissioned this artwork, or just bought this print, or just asked me where they could get this tool or whatever. And it's it's such a glorious thing that we're a part of to be able to communicate and to be able to interact all over the world. And it really it really is just kind of staggering, even though it's been that way for a long time. So like, how am I going to keep up? with these other people that are doing such amazing things that are doing such notorious and noteworthy things, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to make a woodcut every day. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, well, to do one every week or I'm going to do one every day or, or whatever. But then also with those people whose work, I love so much and respect so much and have been so impactful on my life. They all have great individual prints that so you can say this is a tom hawk. You know, this is a bill Fick. This this sums up everything that's great about him. This is one of Dennis's or yeah. you know, or Katherine Polk, You're like this sums up everything that she does so masterfully. Okay. Everything I do is like you kind of have to see the last 300 things that I've made and look at them all at once to get a sense of what I do because from one print to the next, they can be really pretty poor. They could be pretty mediocre. There might be a decent one from time to time, but it's like it's the entirety of what I'm doing is the only thing that I think is the least bit significant. It's like, okay, it's the hundreds of woodcuts and it's the lifetime journey of doing all this stuff, you know, because like I I could take any one print I have and and it kind of pales in comparison to the other great prints that are out there.
1: Well, and I, I just I love that idea, too, that that you can. You know, you can look to other artists for inspiration, but you don't have that inspiration doesn't have to equal imitation. You know, it's like it's like you can they can kind of light a fire under you to say like, OK, I want to be good and I want to be creating things. But that doesn't mean that your process has to be like Tom Huck's process, which is, you know, who knows how many hours on a single woodcut you know like an immeasurable yeah. amount of hours on a single woodcut that's then you know as you said like going to go into a collection or anything like that so it's I think that's part of the the print community is that we we can share that kind of lighting a fire under each other but it doesn't yeah. need to be you know apples to apples in the outcome
0: right no totally yeah you know I mean and it's just, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just I, I keep falling back to like, what else am I going to do? You know, it. it's like, it's it's so it's so much fun. I've been I've got I, I've got these uh, multicolored cut T-shirts that I'm I've got to print up tomorrow. Right? I have posted them on Instagram and got a nice favorable reaction and sold a few and everything and, but I actually have to go in there and print them. You know, Mm -hmm. and I should have done it yesterday and I should have done it today. And I'm going to have to go in there and do it tomorrow because like the printing part, it can be so magical and so revealing and just such a spontaneous, fun moment of creation. Or it can just be, okay. well, now I have to do this again and now I have to do this again. And it's just not the part that I love. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I always like seeing something the first time, but, you know, it's like, it's it's really just about discipline for me that I don't always have the greatest discipline
1: yeah. to go
0: and do the things that I don't want to
1: do. Well, it's funny because I, I was going to say, I think that that's something through all these interviews that I've done, I do hear from artists regularly is that, oh, I love making an image and I love like when it's finished and I see that, that last finished yeah. piece and then there's always almost like a, a moment of... Um, of dread when they realize now they have to addition it, (laughs) you know, like, Oh God, now I got to make 50 of these, you know, (laughs) whatever
0: it is. What a nightmare, you know? I mean, and like for it's, it's such a weird thing too, you know, because like that word limited, you know, that Mm. word addition, Mm. you know, and it's like, you're at the grocery store and they've got like a new limited edition of banana favorite flavored uh, (laughs) cornflakes, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, so there's that word again, you know And like I just it does I mean people like I'm kind of not in the day-to-day world where there's people that liked to collect prints, you know that they want the addition. Mm. And like I've thought that for my whole life where like I'm gonna make one and then I'll get around to doing another one if I have to. but this one print can go wherever. And that's been a compromise. Because that's allowed me to get more work done because instead of additioning one print, you know, I'm uh, I'm 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 making 10 different prints, but then I only have one or two of them. And, you know, the 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 financial part of it, uh, I certainly haven't mastered, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can I I think people respect an addition print better, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's like that's another one of my lacks of discipline is like, okay, if I do it this way. It probably would be better, but I know damn well that tomorrow, you know, when we leave here in Baton Rouge and we go back to the studio, I know that I'm going to carve more linoleum before I print. Yep. You know, and yep. it's going to be six o'clock in the evening, and I'll, I'll have done something new and still have to print. You know, and it drives my son Wes crazy because he's going to be the one helping me print tomorrow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've been talking about it all weekend and still haven't done it, but yeah, you know. But it's just... It is fun. I mean, it's great. You, you pull that print, you see it, you know? I I don't respond well to the challenge of trying to make one print match up with the other one too well, though. <laughs>
1: definitely, definitely. Well, Sean, we're, we're at our hour our recording mark, work, and it was just such a treat to talk to you and to learn more about your work, and I always love hearing different philosophies that artists have and i think you said some really really beautiful things that i think um are gonna are gonna give people a shot in the arm during kind of a good a, a, a bit of a downtime i think for people yeah. right now yeah so i it was just really beautiful to hear your philosophy and your energy and your love for for printmaking because that's what Absolutely. we're all about. Yeah. Before we sign off, where can people mm-hmm. find you? Where can they follow your work?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I have SeanStarWars.com. That's kind of a, I try to use that more as a archives of just like everything I've done and try to keep that as uh, complete as I can. I'm always behind on it. Mm. Uh, and then there's, you know, Woodcut Funhouse is the, you know, like the online store. And that's like the name of my, shop, you know, down here in Louisiana. So, um, so Woodcut Funhouse and SeanStarWars.com, but really, you know, the best thing, it's amazing the way that Instagram, you know, I really don't like Twitter as much, but Twitter and Instagram, both the idea that you can, you can access people that you might not have the ability to get a hold of, you know, Mm -hmm. you can send a DM to somebody that you might not get a response from on an email, you know? Yep. And so, so I love that. You know and and I do want to just say this one thing yeah. which is is for everybody out there definitely reach out for any opportunity that you might you might want and don't be afraid for people to tell you no because usually when they tell you no they really just mean not now mm-hmm. you know if things just aren't right right now it's almost never personal you know yeah. and so don't be afraid and hope you know and you're in somebody's head you're on their mind That's when you get the email saying, hey, we're doing something in two months. Do you want to be a part of it? You know, and that's what I love about Instagram, you know, and that's what I love uh, really just about all social media is the idea that you can connect with people, you know, without the real barriers, you know, Mm -hmm. but so the Sean Star Wars Instagram is what I use more than anything. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, but uh, it's a shame to see that work so small, you know, so you know
1: yeah well hopefully we'll all be at sgci next year and yeah. we'll get a chance yeah. to connect and see work in person That'll be as fun. it's meant to so yeah. exactly thank you again sean it's well thank been you so
0: much it was delight. a blast yeah this was awesome. great awesome. I'll,
1: I'll be in touch when um we're gonna release the episode and everything but yeah. i'm i'm really looking forward to sharing our chat
0: cool me too cool thanks thank sean you. Thanks have a good me. evening awesome all right okay. take care now Bye. Right, bye bye
1: well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Masat, whose self-taught woodcut practice has taken him around the world and amassed him almost 85,000 followers on Instagram. This one will also be a double release with one version of the chat in Spanish and the other one in English, all in collaboration with our friend, Ronaldo Gil Zambrano. You won't wanna miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.